Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. And as you look at the book of Daniel, you need to realize this is one of the most important books I believe that we can find understanding from because if you start out in the very first chapter, you you realize sometimes we don't get to live in a first choice world, do we? Sometimes we have to live in a second choice world. Because if you ask Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego where they wanted to live, they would say, we want to live back in Jerusalem. But all of a sudden, their life got interrupted by God himself, by him allowing them to be taken into Babylonian captivity. And they found themselves living in a place they really didn't want to live. They lived in a second-choice world. That's what life does to us. Sometimes it puts us in situations that we're not looking for, that we're not excited about. But we have to learn how to live our lives to the glory of God, no matter where it may be. And when we live that way... You need to understand you've always got the solid word of God to stand upon because you've got the most powerful thing there is, and that's the word of truth, the word of God. It's precious, it's precise, it's powerful, it it, it provides every need you have when you stand upon the word of God. The word of God will get the job done. You've got to yield to the word of God. I get amazed some people, they will say, oh, I love Jesus, I just don't like the church. Or I love Jesus, but I'm thinking, have you read what he said? Because see, they love this fake Jesus that people have made up that just tolerates everything and loves everybody irregardless of what they're doing, how they live or whatever. But they don't know what the Bible says. Jesus was the Word made flesh and it dwelt among us. And you've got the Bible, friends. You've got the resources that you need to live life no matter where you live it and you live it to the glory of God. Now look what it says in Daniel chapter 3 beginning with verse 26. The Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and he spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, ye servants of the most high God. Now something's changed his perspective, isn't it? Because he set up this idol on the plain of Jura to bow down and worship. And all of a sudden he said, you servants of the most high God. Come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they came forth of the midst of the fire. So many times in life, I want to be saved from the mouth of the fire. Don't you? And yet God's will many times is for me to be in the fire so he can bring me forth through the fire. So you ask me, what's the greater miracle? Never to go into the fire or to go into the fire and to come out. See, and that's what we want to look at today, how you come out of the fire. Because you're going into the fire ready or not, saved or lost. You're going to go into the fire, but you've got to understand by the Word of God, how do you come out of the fire? Because when you read this section of Scripture, let me finish here, and and, and it says, and the princes, the governors, the captains, the king's counselors being gathered together, they saw these men upon whose body the fire had no power. Isn't that a good word? The fire had no power upon these men of God that were in the place where God had put them. Why? Because he was bringing them out. Nor was there a hair on their head singed. 
Neither was their coat changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. And then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted, that trusted, that trusted in him. Having changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I'm changing my whole theology, he said. Therefore, I make a decree that every people, nation, language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces and their houses shall be made a dunghill because there is no other God that can deliver after this sword. And then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the provinces of Babylon. Isn't that an amazing story? Isn't that a story we like to relate to? We want God to work in our life and we want God to bring us forth and we got God to promote us. But here me if you're going to come out of the fire right you got to go in right and that's what we don't understand sometimes how you go into the fire impacts how you come out of the fire and so you got to understand what does it take to go into the fire right so that you can come out of the fire as God would have you come out of the fire because you've got to look at this chapter here was these men of God they were in a hot place that they did not like they were in a horrible place that they did not like they were in a place that they hated they were in the fire but they were there because of a reason almighty God had allowed this to come into their life and while they were there they said yes God I yield here these were not disobedient people in the fire these were obedient people in the fire these were not people who dishonored God in the fire these were people who stood on the promises of God's word in the fire these were not people who were, who were complainers and whiners in the fire these were faithful men who were in the fire these were not bad men in the fire these were good men in the fire these were not people who were stingy in the fire these were people who were given in the fire these were not people who didn't know how to praise God in the fire these were people who praised God regardlessly they were in the fire you see, you got to understand, see, here is the people of God, they're in the fire of affliction. They're in the fire of trials. They're in the fire of temptation. So I'm saying that to understand, you're going to go through the fires. You're either in the fire, you're coming out of the fire, or you're getting ready to go into the fire. I don't care if you're saved or lost. You are going to be in fire experiences, fire situations in life. But you've got to understand, how do I come out right? How do I come out living to the glory of God? How do I come out of the fire and, and allow God to work whereby it does not even affect my clothing? It does not affect my hair. Lord, I come out just reflecting you. Everybody goes into the fire, but not everybody comes out right. And what we need to understand today in the Word of God is how do you come out of the fire? We all face trials. We all face tribulation. We all face testing. We all face troubles. We all face difficulties. And the God who allows us to go into the fires of life, he can bring us out of the fires of life. But there are certain things you've got to understand. How you go into the fire is important because how you go in many times is going to determine how you come out. What does it take to come out of the fire? First is this, it takes an established character. 
You know what character is? It is not your reputation. Your reputation is what other people see of you. And you have a good reputation. You have a poor reputation. But your character is what you are when nobody is looking. Your character is what you are inside your life. And only God himself knows your relationship to him. Your yieldedness to him. Your sensitivity to him. Your character, my friends, is what you are when nobody is looking. And here in Daniel chapter 1, you find these Hebrew boys. They were taken into Babylonian captivity. They were not taken down to Babylon so they could have a sightseeing experience. They were not taken down to Babylon so they could have a party. They were taken there in bondage. They were taken there as slaves. They were taken from the place they loved. They were taken from their families. They were taken from their loved ones. They were taken from their familiarities. And God took them to a place, my friends, called Babylon. And you read of Babylon all through the Bible. And you get to the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. And Babylon represents that evil, wicked system of the world. That sin is piled all the way up to the heaven. That's what Babylon is. There's no temple in Babylon. There's no worship of the living God in Babylon. There's no fear of God in Babylon. There's nothing good in Babylon. And that's where God took these boys and let them live. And they got there. And their character had already been established before they arrived there. You see, it says in chapter 1 that these boys were offered to drink of the king's wine and to eat the king's meat. You remember the story? And Daniel stood up and said, I cannot defile myself along with these three other Hebrew boys. Guys, there was hundreds of thousands of these Hebrew boys taken into captivity, but only four of them stand out. The rest of them just kind of pass off the scene. And they stood out because their character was established. They stood out because they understood they had a spiritual purpose. Do you realize you have a spiritual purpose in life? You were not put on this earth just to take up space and breathe oxygen and see how many toys you can gather to yourself before you die and how many experiences you can have before you die. You were here with a purpose. And until you understand you have a purpose unique to Almighty God, you have a spiritual purpose inside your life, you will never stand in a day of days of testing. You'll never stand in a time of trial. You have a spiritual purpose. Do you know that? I hope so. Because you have a purpose beyond yourself. You have a purpose. You are to live unto the glory of God because you have been bought with a price. Jesus Christ gave his life on Calvary for your sin and for mine. Jesus Christ died that we might have life and life everlasting. Jesus Christ died. He infilled us with the Holy Ghost. And therefore he has equipped us with spiritual giftings. And he says, I have imparted to you talents and abilities and gifts whereby you use it to reflect me. Why? Because this is just a warm-up act. One day we're all going to pass to the other side. One day, my friend, we're going to take our final breath and then all eternity we'll spend with God around the throne praising Him what's your capacity now we've moved into a house that's got 400 light bulbs and they're not the same and I'm thinking, where did they come up with all these light bulbs? And none of them give out good light like an old incandescent is that the right word where that filament went through man that's what I want but they don't even make them no more and it says this light burns 96 watts, but it only uses energy of a 40-watt bulb. Well, it takes it three days to get to that where it's burning brightly, doesn't it? I turn on the light, I can't see. And then three days later, it's like, where'd this light come from? Honey, did you change the light? No. I'm telling you all this. And they all go out at the same time. You know, 
I've got a light now in the bathroom. Man, it's giving off good light, but it's about twice the size. It's hanging down. Char don't even know it because it's so bright. She don't know it's sticking out an inch beyond the ceiling. I'll fix it. <laughs> I have a point to my light bulb story. Some people burn like 10 watt bulbs. And some people burn like 100 watt bulbs. See, 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 that's your capacity. And what you're doing now is you're determining your capacity in glory. And see, when you get to glory, it's glory. But guys, I want to be burning like a 150 million watt bulb if I'm able to, right? I don't want to be a little old 10 watt incandescent light bulb over here saying, Man, I'm warming up. Look at this. Isn't this great? I want to have a capacity to worship my Savior, to, to, to glorify Him. And it all just to hurt determined on this side. You got it? So how bright's your bulb? See, see, see. God says, everything down here is getting you ready for over there. And so there is a spiritual purpose that you have to understand. And these boys, they understood their purpose and they decided to do the right thing when nobody else was doing the right thing. Do we live in a society like that? Because we live in a society where everybody wants you to say they're okay. And what they're doing is all right. And you have to accept this. But you as a child of God, you've got to come before the magistrates and kings and whomever and say, I cannot defile myself with that because that is not right. I cannot partake of the king's meat and the king's wine. I have a spiritual purpose greater than myself, and I will live unto his glory. And so, so, so here it was. They said no to the king's meat, and all of a sudden they were tested, and they showed forth greater and of more value in the kingdom to the pagan king, and they got promoted. Isn't that wonderful? Look where the promotion gets them to, guys. <laughs> Sometimes we think promotions are great, but promotions bring added responsibility to our lives. They were given this seat of prominence, and all of a sudden, they were sitting over the magistrates, and they were sitting over the judges. And here it was, these three Hebrew boys, these three, these three that were brought into bondage and captivity. Now they were, they were ruling in such a way in some providences, in some places. My friends, they were the leaders. And, but the king had taken them from the bottom, and he promoted Why? Because they knew their spiritual purpose. Doesn't that sound like Joseph when Joseph was cast into that? that dungeon everywhere he went he said he knew the lord was with him and god's hand was upon him and everywhere he went god blessed him why because he did what was right even when everybody else was doing what was wrong he did what was right even when everybody else said it doesn't matter he did what was right and god's hand was on him and god brought him up but before he brought him up he put him down and that's the part we don't like to talk about but we're all living in life and we're facing challenges and we're facing difficulties whereby we have to show forth who we live for and what we live for. And once you face yourself in the fire, it's too late to scramble to get character. You understand me? Now, in our former church, we had several of our young people end up in rehabs for drugs. You don't think it's ever going to happen in your church, but guys, it's going to happen. You had several end up in rehab. We have one young man that's in the state penitentiary right now. Now, here's my point. All these that I know that went to rehab, they got religion. They would sing in the rehab choir. 
They would give testimony. But when they got out and came back, they never came to church. You follow what I'm saying? What happens in prison? First thing they get, get religion. I had a second cousin doing time in Texas, running dope. Got religion in Texas. As soon as he got out. Listen to it. See, see, see it, it's too late to scramble to get Christian character, that character that God wants in your life, wants the fire. We work and we try, but there's a way that shows itself not real. So before the fire comes, before the trial comes, you need to have established your character, who you are in Christ Jesus, what you are living for. Therefore, when the fire comes and it is coming, you won't be scrambling. And you won't be putting up a front. But you'll be saying, Lord, to your glory. You see, see, here's what trials do. Trials expose what's inside of us, do they not? How many of y'all use toothpaste? Come on, folks. Let me see it. You all need to use toothpaste if you don't, all right? And when we squeeze that tube, what happens? What's on the inside of the tube comes out. And when God squeezes our life, he allows our life to be squeezed by someone else. What's on the inside shows out. And what's got to be on the inside is a character in Christ Jesus, yielding us to Christ Jesus, whereby we understand we have a purpose, and our purpose is just not making a life. Our purpose is not the American dream. Our purpose is to live for the glory of God and to touch lives as we go to the kingdom of God. My friends, our purpose is Him. And so you get your character established now. You get your character established now when things are not difficult as they can be. When things are not as bad as they can be. When fires are not in your life per se. Because once they come, it's a greater challenge. It's harder. So you live that way. See, see, these boys, they were faithful in the small stuff. You know what the small stuff was? The small stuff was, I can't eat bacon. Man, that's a hard one, isn't it? That's the small, I can't eat the king's meat. I cannot partake of pork. I cannot do that. Why? Because it's not kosher. And therefore, if it's not kosher and I partake, I will not be fit for service. So in the little decisions in life, we've got to prove ourselves faithful. Because it's only as you prove yourself faithful in the little decisions in life. And I'm not saying don't eat bacon. I'm just saying in the little things in life, you prove yourself because when the big stuff gets here, you're equipped But if you blow the little decisions in life, you're not going to be ready for the big decisions in life. Why do you think David killed a lion and a bear before he faced a giant? And you're going to face lions and tigers and bears, oh me, before you face giants. But you will face giants. But if you blow it with the little stuff, you're not going to be established and equipped for the bigger stuff. So what does it take? It it, it takes this extreme, extreme courage. They had character, but it takes courage. Now, courage does not mean you're never not afraid. Now, I know that's two negatives that make a positive, but it doesn't. Courage means in spite of your fear, you still stand. In spite of your concern, you still stand and you do the will of God. You do what is right. You walk in line with what Scripture says. I've heard a lot of people, they refer to Job. Y'all know Job? 
And everybody says, oh, I'm just, I've got the, I've got the issues. If you ain't living like Job before it comes, don't say you're like Job when it gets there. Because Job was a righteous man. And Job was living right before the trials came. And so when the trials came, he was living right, but he was positioned in a place whereby he would trust him. And, and, and what did Job do? He lost everything. He lost his children. He lost his wealth. He kept his wife and she nagged him. But he lost everything but that. What did he do? He went to the ash heap. What's the ash heap? The ash heap is the place he met with God. And when things go so bad, you go back to the last place you met with God. You get back on that ash sheep and you wait upon the Lord and you trust Him in the ashes of life. Why? Because He's equipped you for that. But you've got to have courage. Courage to stand up. I'm not saying to be rude. I'm not saying to be belligerent. But I'm saying courage to stand up. For Christ. And if we did anything in the day of compromise in America and churches across this land that preach watered down gospel, we need men and women of faith who will stand on the Word of God. And it takes courage. It doesn't mean you're not afraid. It takes courage. You all are familiar with the voice of martyrs, I would hope by now. It's a blog, it's a, it's a webpage, it's a ministry. Richard Wormber was the founder, and he was in a Romanian prison camp for 15 years. Do you know why he got put there? Because when communism came into Romania, they were trying to get the churches to fall in line and to compromise. Now, now who, is the, who is the wicked ruler in Romania? Khrushchev? All right, we, I think that was Russia. But anyway, uh, anyway, but the, the, the wicked ruler of Romania, he was beaten when he was a youth by a Christian police officer. And that turned his heart away from the... Think about that. And so now when he gets into position, he oppresses Christians. wonder what would happen if that Christian police officer had not beaten him, but had witnessed to him. But anyway, they took all the churches and, and, and they said, you have to follow the communists. And Richard Wormber, sitting in that service, his wife said, say something. And he said, you don't know what you're asking me to do, what the cost will be. She said, I didn't marry a coward. And he stood up. And ultimately, he was arrested and spent 15 years in a concentration camp. Sometimes our spouse has to prompt us to stand up. And they need to realize the cost when you do stand up. But you've got to have courage. We live in a society, my friends, where, where everything is to be tolerated, everything is to be allowed and yet it contradicts what the Word of God says. And you see here in Daniel chapter 3, the king Nebuchadnezzar, he built an idol and he placed it on the plain of Jura. And on this plain of Jura, he gathered all the leaders, all the key people. Everybody was there. Can you imagine the thousands and thousands of people there standing in this plain? And Nebuchadnezzar, he gives the instruction. He said, when the music plays, you bow. When the music plays, you bow. If you don't, you're cast into the fiery furnace. 
And all of a sudden the music starts playing and it, it, it's just like this massive, everybody falling on their knees, bowing before this false idol, bowing before this false god. They're down on their knees. And, 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 and Nebuchadnezzar, he, he, his, 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 his aides, they're scanning the crowd. They're looking from that kneel position and all of a sudden they see three men not bowing down. And this is, you know, they kind of say, King, you told everybody to bow down. But those three Hebrew boys that you've promoted over some of us, they're defying your words. King, they're defying your authority. And you said, King, that everybody who doesn't bow gets cast into the fiery fire. King, what are you going to do about it? See, guys, that's what the world does to Christians. The world wants to point us out. And to get us into trouble. The world wants us to, 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 to yield to everybody else. And, and all of a sudden, the king says, bring them to me. And here's a man who has the power of life and death in his hands. And these three Hebrew boys, they come before the king. And he said, you must not have understood me right. Maybe you've not got this Chaldean language down correctly. But, but I have shared with you. If you don't bow when the music starts, when the music plays, you're going to be cast into the fiery furnace. So I'm going to give you one more chance. Now, guys, we're not talking about in a private conference room, I don't believe. I believe we're talking about here's me and standing in, in a room of hundreds. You talk about peer, peer pressure does not end when you get out of high school. It keeps right on going. And if you don't learn to deal with it when you're young, you're not going to deal with it when you're old. You're going to be a man pleaser, not a God pleaser. And you cannot live that way in a fear of God pleasing man. You always live to the glory of God. Then you fear God, whether you please people or not. And you find in the Bible, your ministry is not to man. Your ministry is always to God. And if that doesn't start right, then you've missed it. And you minister to the Lord by living that life of obedience under Christ Jesus day in and day out. So here was the King Nebuchadnezzar. He said, if you don't bow, you're going to be cast into the fiery furnace. We don't know what we would do. We like to think we would be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But if your character's not established before you get there, you won't. If you're compromising already, you'll compromise then. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what'd they say? Verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we're not careful to answer thee in this matter. That word careful is where we get the word anxious, anxiety, worry. We are very aware of what we're getting ready to tell you, King. And we don't mean any disrespect. But if it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O King. Now, do you think King Nebuchadnezzar said, well, bless your heart. I just really like hearing about your God. Your God is useless. Your God lets you come into Babylonian captivity. Your God lets you be in bondage. You ain't got no God. Who are you talking about? Oh, King, our God is able to deliver us. See, see, this was total participation. Everybody has to participate. And then there was this threatening 
accusation that the king came to them and he said, if you don't bow down, you will burn. And we live in a society today that says immorality is okay. Carnality is okay. False religions are okay. Compromise is okay. Foolishness is okay. And it takes men and women of faith who have established character, have a courage in God themselves, not in their ability, but in God themselves, to stand and say, Lord, I cannot do this. I will not bow to Buddha. I will not bow to Muhammad. I won't bow to the Pope. Why? Because I've been money only to the Lord Jesus Christ. See, you've got to have that established inside your heart. I will not bow to money. I will not bow to fame. I will not bow to friends. I will not bow to family. I will not bow to fortune. I bid money only to the Lord Jesus Christ. Preacher, I thought you was trying to tell us how to get through the trial. I am. You go in right to come out right. And your character has to be established. There's got to be a courage that lights up in you. Where you know, how do you know you got courage? It's not that you've got this great big boldness. But what happens inside your life is you know right from wrong. You know what the will of God is and the word of God is. And you know if you bend, you know if you go this direction, you are denying the word of God. You know that. And when you know that, you stand on that conviction. Whether people understand it or not. Whether people agree with you or not. See, their confidence... He said, our God is able. Have you come to the place where you understand that our God is able? Now, now I want you to look at this. I, I want you to look at these verses. Here it says in Matthew 3, 9, God is able to create something out of nothing. 2 Corinthians 9, 8, God is able to make all grace abound to you. Daniel 3.17, God is able to deliver. 1 Corinthians 10.13, God is able to give you strength to rise above trials. Hebrews 7.25, God is able to save to the uttermost. Acts 20.32, God is able to build you up in grace. 2 Chronicles 25.9, God is able to do exceed your expectation. He is able to do exceedingly above all you can ask or imagine. Jude 1.24, God is able to keep you from falling. 2 Timothy 1.12-14, God is able to guard the good word in you, the good deposit to keep you from error. Romans 4.21, God is able to fulfill his promises. 2 Corinthians 1.4, God is able to comfort those who are afflicted. God is able. See, you got to settle that in your life. God is able. See, that's a conviction that's got to reside inside your very being. How do you get that conviction to reside inside you? That my God is able. You get it by walking in humility. You get it by walking in obedience. You get it by trusting the Lord Jesus Christ and doing what's right when everybody else is doing whatever they want. My God is able. My God is able to deliver to the uttermost. My God is to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all I can imagine. Guys, I can imagine some pretty big things, so can you. And he said, my God can do way beyond what even you can comprehend. My God is able to deliver. My God is able to save. My God is able to seal. My God is able to secure. Where does it come from? It comes from your life lived by faith in the Word of God. And you've got to settle it. Who's able? Well, mom and dad's able. My boss is able. My God is able. And there's a whole lot of folks saying, oh, God, bring me out. But I'm going to tell you a little secret. Sometimes God takes you into the fire. But he don't bring you out of the fire. Like you want. Right? I've had dear friends who love the Lord Jesus Christ with all their heart. And the diagnosis was cancer. And God didn't deliver them the way I wanted. He delivered them to glory. 
the way he wanted. He's able. But that doesn't mean it's going to be the way we figure it out all the time. Because, you see, you've got to settle the fact he is able to do. See, see, see God can deliver anybody. God can heal anybody. But if he doesn't heal, will you still serve him? See, see, that's, that's, the, that's the next verse. See what it says? Look at verse 18. But if not. See, we've got a whole lot of church folks that need to settle the but if nots of life. We've settled that God is able. But if he doesn't choose to, we're still not bowing. If he doesn't choose to deliver, if he doesn't choose to heal, if he doesn't choose to make the, the financial impact, I'm still going to serve him. Because, you see, that's a conviction you've got to get to. My God is able, but even if he doesn't, I'm going to be faithful to him. Because his ways are not my ways. His ways are so much higher than my ways. His thoughts are so much greater than my thoughts. He has a plan that I don't even always tap into. And sometimes he allows me to see parts of it. And man, I'm grateful for that. But sometimes, my friends, he just says, you trust me in this one, Mark. You just keep your mouth shut and you stand up and you just trust me and you obey me. And God works and God moves. And sometimes God says, I'm going to allow you to stay in this mess. Because I'm shaping you into my son's image. Hmm. But I'm able. And see, guys, we got to settle the God is able. And then you got to settle the, but if he chooses not to, I'm still going to serve him. I'm still going to be faithful to him. And so here's Nebuchadnezzar. I believe Nebuchadnezzar by now, his face is bright red. I believe he's got veins popping out the side of his head, don't you? Because here you've got three servants, three slaves defying what his word was. He said, heat that furnace hotter. But our God knows who made the furnace. Our God knew the patent number on the furnace. <laughs> and when they heated the furnace hotter, what happened? Those men who were doing that work died. It was so hot. And they took Nebuchadnezzar and they bound them. They've got ropes tied around their arms. And they, they lead them to the fire. And the ones who are throwing them into the flame of the fire, they fell dead. Can you imagine that? Nebuchadnezzar didn't care about anything. He was anti-God. He was anti-everything. He was his own God. And all of a sudden... He throws three Hebrew boys, young men, into the flames of fire. And he's back. You can't be at the mouth of that fire. He's done seen his own guys fall dead. He's back and he's looking and he's seeing this flames. He goes, one, two, three, four. Four. Didn't I put three in there? But I see Four. Didn't I put three boys in? Why are they not falling dead? Why are their clothes not burned? Why, why is it the ropes that, been, 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 that they were bound with has been broken? Why, what is it? There's four. Shadrach, Meshach, there's that fourth one. He looks like, he, he looks like the Son of God. How, how do you know that? When you see him, you know him. <laughs> You may not respond to him, but you're going to realize it. Every demon in hell, they recognize Jesus. 
He looks like the Son of God. And he brought Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out. And there was no stench of flames. The, the binds that had bound him were, were gone. But their clothes were not burnt. Their hair was not singed. And I believe they got a spring in their step. I believe they got a praise on their lips. And I said, my God is a mighty God. He is able to deliver me to the other. I believe they started testifying of the glory of their Savior. Of the glory of Almighty God. And here it is, King. He, he, he's astonished. See, see, the world's watching you. They're watching you. At your work, at your home, in your neighborhood, at your school. They're watching you. I'll never forget, we were in West Virginia, Pastor, and, and our neighbor, he was a drunk. And, and he lived from me to Anthony from our house. And, and one day we were getting ready for a revival meeting, and I was going out in the neighborhoods, handing out flyers, inviting people to church. And I went to his door, and I stuck the flyer in the door, and I started to turn on my heels and take off. He said, Preacher! All right, I don't have time for this, but all right. So I stop and I go in. He said, What's, what you got there? I said, I'm just going to invite you to a revival meeting. He sat there and he said, You know, I watch you. I thought, You watch me? You're a drunk. He said, You're different. Oh. See, see, honestly, I could have cared less what he thought of me. But he watched me. And if he's watching me, everybody else is watching me. And if you name the name Jesus, if you wear a cross around your neck, everybody's watching you. And is your life consistent with your testimony? It's what you listen to on your phone in agreement with godliness. It's where you go on the internet pages in agreement with the Bible. See, see, because people are watching you. They're watching your life. And see, when, when you go through the fires, people are watching you. They're watching how you act, how you react. They're watching you. And they can be astonished. Just like with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Did you realize when they were... I can't comprehend being thrown literally into fire. Can you? I mean, my, my understanding is cancer patients pray to live, burn victims pray to die. The pain is that great. And to be thrown into the fire, I can't comprehend this. But all of a sudden, people you work with, people you associate, they know you're in a fire in your life. And I pray they stand amazed at how you reflect Jesus in the midst of it. I'm not saying we do it perfectly. But in the midst of the fire, we still point to him. Because he's our hope. He's all we have. And the king was astonished. And the king made confession. Did you see that? There is no God. But the God of Shadrach. Meshach and Abednego. And our God is able. But guys, if you're going to come out of the fire right, you've got to go into the fire right. And when you go into the fire right, God will use the fire just to burn away all that dross 
that impedes us. And he'll bring us forth shining, reflecting his son, Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know if I can get through this or not, but anyway, bear with me. There's a song called Through the Fire. Y'all know it? If you know it, sing it with me. I'm going to sing the chorus. He never promised that the cross would not get heavy and the hill would not be hard to climb. He never offered victory without fighting, but he said help would always come in time. Just remember when you're standing in the valley of decision and the adversary says, give in, just hold on. Our Lord will show up and he will take you through the fire again. Just hold on, our Lord will show up and he will take you through the fire again. Don't bend, don't budge, don't bow. Fight the fight of faith. It takes courage, it takes determination, it takes commitment, it takes surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And you're going to face trials, and you're going to face adversity, and you're going to face testing, and you're going to face temptation. But hear me, stand fast in faith. Stand for the Word of God. Stand and let the fires that would consume the world, let them see. Get you free. But stand. Father, we bow before you this morning. God, I pray that you enable us to understand the importance of not only going into the fires, but God coming out of the fire as you see fit. Father, I pray for those right now who they're in a fire in their life. It might be a fire in their marriage. It might be a fire in their finances. It might be a fire with their kids. It might be a fire with their job. It might be a fire with some other reason, God. But I pray, God, you sustain them in the midst of the fire. You give them, God, that word of encouragement, that word of hope where they just keep on hanging on. They keep on trusting you. They don't have any reason to, but God, but your word said to. And God, that you enable them to trust you. And God, if there's one here that doesn't know you as a Savior. God, if there's one here lost, I pray, God, you'd open the right eyes to see that understand their need of salvation God you draw them by your Holy Spirit's quickening power bring conviction to their heart God disturb God they may be a member of this church they may be an old person and a member of this church for 50 years but God they don't know that they know that they know that they know if they died or not they'd go to heaven I pray holy God you stir in them convicting drawing power that today would be that day of salvation for your glory your kingdom and God I pray that you help us God as we face the challenges God and you let us reflect you to a lost and dying world. Not that we're going to do this perfectly, God. But Lord, we trust you. We look to you. We reflect you. We cry out to you, God, for help. Because you're able. In Jesus' name. Let's stand together. The altar's open. If you need to come and pray, you need to come to the altar. If you need to be saved, you need to come to the altar. We can show you with an open Bible how to be saved. But you obey what God is saying to your heart this morning. Don't leave here not knowing about your salvation. Don't leave here with God speaking to your heart and you ignore his word. Obey God.